In case you wondered, that was uh, my favorite singer. That's Brian Duncan singing. Uh, I'll put on my, my DJ voice here for a second. Uh, that's a sweet friend of mine. And Billy Graham once said, and of course, Billy Graham just recently celebrated his 95th birthday. And uh, I hear that uh, we need to pray for him as he just recently went into the hospital uh, once again as well. But uh, Billy Graham once said that God is more interested in your future and your relationships than you are. Chuck Swindoll said, I cannot even imagine where I would be today if it were not for the handful of friends who have given me a heart full of joy. And he went on to say, let's face it, Friends make life a lot more fun. And Albert Schweitzer, he said, at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. And let's see what God's word says this morning. Turn in your Bibles if you would, to a familiar scripture, and I like what Pastor Mark said a few, week, few weeks ago, if you uh, don't have your Bibles, then uh, look to your neighbor who is the real Christian and look off their Bible. <laughs> Ecclesiastes. <laughs> uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's, let's pray. Lord, this is your word. Lord, I am your servant. May the words of my mouth be the words that you would convey to us. May you speak through me clearly this morning as we open your word and as we talk about providential relationships. And Lord, may there be those here this morning hearing the word of God, maybe for the first time, that will be convicted of, of sin and that they will turn around, repent, walking away from a life of sinfulness and selfishness to live their life consecrated unto you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Think of the relationships that God has established in your life. Can you do that? Think of the relationships God has established in your life and think of the reason God has placed them there. Hopefully some people will come to mind quickly. Think of people who are no longer physically in your life. 
but maybe still have an influence on you. Maybe a former teacher, a former pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a school teacher. Are memories coming, flooding back yet? I have the clearest and now at my age, the fondest memories of my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Pemberton. And Mr. Pemberton not only was my sixth grade teacher, but he was also my basketball coach. And he was tough. And I don't know why that he demanded a lot from me, but he did. He was tough. In the classroom and on the court. And for some reason, he yelled at me a lot. And I have heard from down the, down the years from coaches and teachers that if you are yelled at a lot by a coach, that means they like you and expect a lot out of you. So that's the way I'll choose to look at that. I remember uh, vividly running up and down the basketball court during practice one night that as I, as I ran by, he kicked me in the rear end and yelled something at me. And I, why? Why was he picking on me? Why did he demand so much from me? He was the toughest teacher I ever had. And I'm sure that you all, at some point in your life, remember a teacher like that in your life. Bob Pemberton retired from teaching a few years ago, still lives in Mount Vernon, and he's a wonderful Christian man, and on the occasion that we get to see each other, he always makes a point to say that our class was one of his all-time favorite classes, and that he always makes a point to say how proud he is of me. That sixth grade teacher-student relationship still today has a very important influence on my life. Do you have a Mr. Pemberton in your life? Or maybe you are somebody's Mr. Pemberton. How about the people that you influence? Are there people in your life that you have an influence on? Maybe a neighbor, a coworker, a new believer in Jesus? your children, and after Wednesday night, how about a prison inmate? If you were here, there were probably fewer than 100 people here Wednesday night to hear, to hear Bear Gregory's testimony. Bear, you're here this morning. Wow. I just want to say, wow, thank God for you. Thank God for what he has done in you and what he continues to do in you and through you. In prison for many, many years, God touched him, and what a great influence that he was behind prison bars to see many, many, many come to salvation in Jesus. And the effects that you all have had and other churches in that program to send other inmates encouragement. And as, as Bear can tell you, to receive something in the mail was the highlight, period. The greatest thing that they could ever do was to receive something in the mail from somebody. We take our relationships for granted. We often don't stop and take detailed inventory of our relationships, and we should do that. And as we take inventory, there may even be some relationships 
that need to be severed. Have you ever thought about that? If you are a, a giving person, much like my wife, you may find that some friends are so completely self-absorbed that they don't hear anything else that anybody has to say. You can't get a word in edgewise when you talk to them. Their dilemmas and their situations are, are all that they can think about. Not that that relationship should be severed, but that's just frustrating. That's a tough one. Think about that. We might have a relationship that needs to be severed. Why? Why might relationships need to be severed? Morality issues, temptation of various types that might be involved in, in that relationship might be reason that a relationship should be severed. It's a big question to ponder. Are there destructive relationships in my life? If you're like me, and probably most people feel this way, you want to be around people who make you feel good. I don't know if anybody likes to be around people that are just make them depressed all the time. I want to come out of a conversation or a relationship that makes me feel good about myself and my relationship with them, my relationship with Christ. But those, those negative ones are out there. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. And we'll look at numerous Proverbs scriptures this morning. 22, verses 24 and 25 says, Don't make friends with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I might be talking to someone this morning. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates the best of friends. Close friends need to be chosen carefully. Close friends need to be chosen carefully. Students, I hope that you're listening. Close friends need to be chosen carefully. Proverbs 12, 26 says, a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Good relationships should be further cultivated. Destructive or negative relationships need to be handled with wisdom and discernment. What's God telling you to do? What does God's word say that we need to be doing in these relationships that are not positive, that maybe they're not godly in a way that encourages one another? Should you work through the strife and negativity or should the relationship be terminated? Seriously. Today, let's look at three things. Three things that relationships do for us. Number one, they encourage us. Colossians 2.2, Paul says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged and may, may, may be encouraged in heart and united in love. That they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ. Now, there's a lot of stuff in there. But it says that the full riches of understanding the mystery of God are revealed when we encourage others in Christ. And what is the mystery of God? There's a lot there to unpack. 
And I won't take time to unpack all of it, but, but until the, the ministry of Paul, the Gentiles were excluded from the proclamation of salvation in Jesus. Paul showed up and proclaimed that salvation is now available to all men, including Gentiles, and that the great mystery is now that Gentiles can be called children of God, not just Jews. That's a great mystery that people in that day had a hard time grasping that those that were not Jews could also be called the children of God. So godly encouragement brings realization that salvation is available to all who call upon the name of Jesus. Godly encouragement. We can pat somebody on the back and say, good job. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna accept Christ. But godly encouragement, that there is hope. Let's come along somebody, alongside of somebody and say, there's hope for you. You might be caught in sin, but there's hope for you in Jesus. The good news, the great news that we have today is that there is, that there is salvation offered to anyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. Let me be an encouragement to you to call upon the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Godly encouragement brings realization that salvation is available to all. We should be encouraging one another in Christ. We should have a daily goal that today I will encourage someone. I'll pick on my wife again. I know that Mark uses K a lot for sermon material, so, so we, see it, we see a trend here. And, uh, but, and most of you know that my wife works at the Christian bookstore. She works at Daystar in Mount Vernon, and she has set her, herself a goal every day. She has a purpose to be at work every day. I'm gonna encourage somebody today. And it's so, it's so neat to hear her tell the, the stories of, of people that she's able to, to pray with, to encourage, that so often uh, tears are shed out there in, in the store because of, because of her encouraging somebody. I don't think we realize how far that goes in somebody. People are crying out. And most people are open. They are open to receive a word of encouragement. Not everybody. Some people will tell you to keep it to yourself. But that's the exception. That's not the rule. And may we not be afraid to share our faith and to be a godly encouragement to someone for the fear of rejection that will be so minute. May we in faith Encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another while it is today. Ephesians 5.19 instructs us to encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Because we don't know how long we have to reach out to someone. We don't know. We don't know what the rest of today holds. We certainly don't know what tomorrow holds. God has given us right now to be an encouragement to our spouse, to be an encouragement to our children, to be an, an encouragement to our pastor, to be an encouragement to our coworkers, to be an encouragement to those who don't know Christ, to be an encouragement to our enemies. He has given us this time and we don't know how long we will have. 
You know, we don't go, we don't go out to eat at sit-down restaurants a lot. It's, a, it's an occasion when we get to do that. But when we do, we make it a point to make conversation with our waitress or waiter. And we tell them, as they are finishing up our order, we tell them that we are going to pray for our food. And then I ask, how might we pray for you today? What a wonderful opportunity that is for us to engage a complete stranger in godly encouragement that might not normally receive it. And I can tell you that almost without exception, there is a request for prayer, whether it's for their, their kids, for direction in their life, for their spouse. There's always an opportunity to pray for someone. And we did this on our recent mission trip to, to New Jersey. And uh, it's a great time of, of fellowship, and, and it's, very, it's very disarming. People are not going to, they're not going to put up a wall of defensiveness in that circumstance. It's a great time of encouragement. And when they see that you are genuinely concerned for them, what I found is they genuinely give you great service. <laughs> and, and then it's not finished at that point, though. When you make an effort to be a witness, an encouragement, and they in turn give you great service, you need to leave them the biggest tip that you can. And I'm serious about that. You know, because that's where, for them, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because most, most of the time, a waiter or a waitress is in a situation where they're working a couple of jobs and they need that encouragement. And so if, we're gonna, if we are going to talk the talk, we better walk it out. And we better show them that we genuinely are concerned with them and you leave the biggest tip for them that you can. Who in your life right now needs an encouraging word from God? Your spouse, your kids, your parents, your pastor. Number two, relationships. They challenge us. Amen. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. We were meant to challenge one another. We were meant to hold one another accountable in our walk with Christ. Do you have someone in your life, a relationship that God uses to correct you? That causes you to line up with God's word. Somebody that's not afraid to speak the truth in love to you. I have a, a friend, and he is a friend. He's a very good friend that I've known since high school. And sometimes our relationship is challenging because of his straightforwardness. He won't beat around the bush. And sometimes he can come across as a know-it-all. Anybody in your life like that? He likes to spend time teaching me spiritual things. 
And when that happens, my pride starts to well up within me to say, who does he think he's talking to? And as one time when we were together and he was teaching me, and I was saying those things to myself, I very clearly heard the Spirit of God quicken me to say, just be quiet and listen. That was a great lesson for me. So now when we have the occasion to to see each other and he begins his lesson for the day, I just listen as he shares his heart. It's been a good lesson for me to learn, but sometimes, sometimes that challenges me in our relationship. So do you have someone in your life that can hold you accountable? Somebody that can speak honestly in your life that where you won't get offended because the truth has been spoken. We don't have enough of those people in our lives. And number three, not only do the relationships that God places in our lives encourage us, not only do they challenge us, but they sustain us. This is so important. Genesis chapter two, God says, it is not good that man be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now you and I know that specifically he's talking about husband and wife. But we weren't created to be alone. We were created for relationship. John chapter 15 verses 12 through 17 says this. This is my commandment that you love one another. Isn't that a song? This is my commandment that you love one another. Everybody. (laughs) This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Our relationships are ordained by God. The relationship that I have with my wife is a unique, ordained relationship by God. There is no one else that can take her place in my life until death do us part. My relationship with my wife sustains me. I have a unique relationship with my children, and even though they are grown, my relationship with my kids and my grandkids sustain me. I have a growing relationship with my new pastor, Mark Shell. And even though we've been working side by side together now for almost three months, it's only been three months, I'm learning more and more that that relationship sustains me. There's a man named Jerry Bryant who has been my mentor and my pastor for over 
30 years. He married Tina and me, and he was with me when I was ordained as a minister of the gospel. It's a very special relationship, and that relationship sustains me. I have a very good friend. His name is Chuck Hammonds. I don't think he's here today. Chuck, you're not here, are you? Chuck is my tennis partner. And we have a unique friendship because of how God brought us together. He was in a time in his life where uh, he and his wife Kay were losing a son due to an auto accident that he had 30 years prior, left him in a, a state where he was completely dependent upon others. And a month after Chuck and I met on the tennis court, their son Mike passed away. And it was just a great time for, for me to be a part of their lives, to encourage them, to minister to them. And so it's a very unique relationship, but that relationship sustains me. My new ministry relationships here at Orchardville Church, you guys sustain me. It's an honor for me to not only to serve with those who are on staff here, but to meet each one of you every week, to shake hands and see the smile on your face. And as you continue to welcome Tina and me here, that sustains me. And I thank God for that. My relationship with my parents, it still sustains me. The guys that I went to New Jersey with, what a wonderful time that we had, and they became more than just names and faces. We worked side by side with one another, making a difference in the practical needs of a family and also in the eternal spiritual needs of a family. And we got to know each other very well in a short amount of time. And that relationship with you guys, it sustains me. God has providentially placed people in my life to sustain me and you. With encouragement, with challenges, with friendship, with accountability, I'm learning to cultivate them by God's spirit, holding them up to the light of God's word, keeping us in alignment with his word. How are your relationships? Which ones should you cultivate deeper? Which ones should you sever? Which ones need healing and restoration? Is there someone in this room this morning that you need to go to and ask forgiveness? May we take inventory of our relationships. And may we learn how to cultivate them that others will see Jesus in us. Let's pray. Dear God, this is a word, this is a message that hits upon every one of us this morning. Each one of us could probably say we are in unhealthy relationships that with Wisdom and discernment needs to be carefully considered should this relationship be 
ended or should it be mended? And should we move forward? We have many relationships in our lives that are wonderful, that are encouraging, that are healthy. I pray, God, that we would, with thanksgiving, offer to you honor and glory for how providentially you bring people into our lives to feed us, to encourage us. And by the same token, Lord, you allow us to be a part of others' lives that we may feed, encourage, challenge. Lord, have your way this morning. May we deal with our relationships in a godly manner that will bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.